the rivalry is back on. One percent better every day, and one and zero. Oh. The set is the quarterback lined up behind center, takes a snap, going for a home run deep downfield, looking for T.Y. Hilton. Hilton makes the catch. He's in the 10, 5, doubles in the end zone, touchdown. Colts coming with pressure off the edge. Kenny Moore gets to Deshaun Watson. That's a sack for Kenny Moore. Kenny has a pick and now a sack in the game. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. Welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice podcast. Derek Larger joining me, Cody Felger here as always. Joining us, special guest from StampyBlue.com, Mr. Zach Hicks. Zach, how are you doing? Pretty good, man. Uh, you know, I appreciate you guys uh, accommodating for my schedule here, but uh, I'm glad that we were able to get this, uh, you know, get me on this week here on, uh, on Monday. So appreciate you guys and I'm glad to be on the show today. Absolutely, Zach. And I know that you, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago were down in Mobile, Alabama uh, to watch the Senior Bowl. Um, you've really been doing a lot of draft stuff, you know, working and, you know, just looking at different prospects that could be associated with the Colts. Um, so, you know, kind of what I wanted to do, Zach, is kind of run through some of these picks, through all the picks that the Colts have in the 2020 draft, and kind of look at some guys that maybe you have slated and you've looked at and you think could potentially be good fits for what the Colts need. Um, obviously free agency hasn't come yet. So some of these needs, similar to Derek's, uh, mock draft, some of these needs could be, you know, fixed in free agency or addressed in free agency. But as it stands right now, um, I just kind of wanted to look at some of the prospects that you think, um, could potentially be, you know, good fits with the Colts. And so we'll start here, Zach, with, with obviously the first round peg, number 13th overall, as it stands right now, I know Zach, that you're a big Jordan love guy. Um, and you can comment on love and comment on some of the other guys. Who do you, who do you think are some good fits here for the Colts at number 13 overall, if they choose to stay there? Yeah. So, I mean, if they stay at 13, I think the biggest position of need and the one thing they really need to address is just the quarterback position. I mean, we saw a lot last year, you know, I know a lot of people are still kind of high on Brissett, but you know, at the end of the day, it just wasn't getting done with him at quarterback. And, uh, you know, people throw the, the injury out there, the knee injury, but even, even before that telltale signs there, we're like, we're there for regression. Uh, so overall, I just don't think Jacob Brissett's the answer. And, and honestly, we've seen a lot from NFL media. I mean, we've seen a lot of rumors and speculations and even Vegas, I think has the Colts up there for, for taking rivers or taking, you know, quarterback in this draft. So there's a lot of smoke and usually where there's smoke, there's fire. So I think that, you know, this, this first pick here, especially at 13, maybe even a trade up, uh, the number one target really has to be a quarterback. You know, maybe two of slips because the medicals don't check out or maybe not check out, but aren't as amazing as what, um, you know, teams would like in the first round. So maybe he slips a little bit, and, you know, getting that kind of talent at 13 would be great. Uh, Jordan Love, like you said, I'm, I'm super high on Jordan Love. I think, uh, down in Mobile, you know, he wasn't outstanding, but you could see the the arm talent, the traits uh, that we could all see on tape. So I I really would like Jordan Love at 13, especially under under Reich's uh, tutelage there here in Indy and behind that offensive line. And then Justin Herbert, you know, if if he somehow slips, I think he's going to go pretty high. But you know, for whatever reason, if he slips, you know, there's teams that like different flavors of quarterback. Uh, so if he slips at 13, I think that's another obvious choice, just because he, he's kind of similar to. Jordan Love when it comes to having all those traits, not really a finished product, but, uh, you know, behind a, 
a really good offensive line, a really good running game. And, and with Frank Reich's tutelage, I think that he'd be really good. So I think quarterback is the obvious thing to look at uh, there in the first round. And, and there's going to be a couple good options there at 13. All right. And uh, Cody, we'll talk about the next one here in a second, but I did want to ask you, Zach, because that was going to lead me right into where I wanted to ask you uh, if you did have the option to go with a Justin Herbert or Jordan Love. Uh, me personally, I would love Justin Herbert on the Colts. I've been a huge fan of his uh, all this year and uh, looking at the tape and thinking of some of the potential that he has. I would think he's a little bit more of a fine prospect than a Jordan Love. I see where people are getting that Jordan Love because, you know, obviously that's the most likely scenario that we get a Jordan Love, but I would love to get a uh, Justin Herbert on this team. Which which one would you prefer to have in the Colts system if you had the choice? Yeah, so so the preface this, you know, Justin Herbert is a very good quarterback prospect. I mean, he checks a lot of the boxes on and off the field. Uh, he has all the traits as well, like, you know, the biggest thing with me when it comes to like Jordan Love, right, is, is traits. You know, it's the biggest thing you can say is he flashes so much ability to, uh, you know, anticipate throws, to be aggressive, to get the ball in the field, along with having elite arm talent. And I think Herbert has a lot of that as well. And Herbert makes some really flashy plays that Love also can make. Uh, but I think both of them just have those, that super high ceiling. Uh, the biggest reason why I have Love just a bit higher is I think I've seen a little bit more out of Love, which is kind of crazy to talk about when. You know, you talk about a guy who had 20 touchdowns and I think like 16 picks last year. Uh, but when you look at his accumulative tape, you know, the, the sophomore tape and that junior tape, uh, I think you see a little bit more, you know, reading down the field, throwing with anticipation. And I think he has a little bit better traits, you know, an upside than, than a guy like Herbert. Herbert scares me a little bit just because of that Oregon offense. Uh, the Oregon yeah. offense was very much a, I'm going to hit you with a screen or it's going to be a vertical play. Quarterback doesn't really have to read much. So that does concern me a little bit. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, again, we're talking about first round quarterbacks. We're talking about two guys who are, you know, one's going to go in the probably in the top 10 in Herbert and the other one's probably going to go in the top 20 in, in Jordan Love. So we're talking about two pretty good quarterback prospects. Um, so it's kind of a pick your flavor there. But I, I think Love, you know, when he had the NFL ready offense, or at least a semblance of an NFL ready offense his sophomore year, I, I think he showed a little bit more than what I've seen from Herbert mm-hmm. in college. So I like Love a little bit more. All right. Understandable. Yeah, yeah, and I, Zach, I know this is kind of comparing apples and oranges here, but I kind of think, you know, with a guy like Jordan Love, you know, you saw it kind of in his previous draft picks a little bit, say a Kamoko Turi, a guy who necessarily didn't have the numbers to back it. You know, he didn't have his, you know, he didn't have double-digit sacks coming out of Rutgers when when Chris Bella drafted him. But, you know, you see the potential there. You see the physical traits there. Um, and I think that's a big reason why, you know, Colts fans should be, you know, and, and why Jordan Love is being projected to the Colts in certain draft, in certain mock drafts. Um, it's just because there's so much potential there. And like you mentioned, the, the different offenses, that's obviously huge, a huge transition from, uh, you know, college systems to the NFL system. And so um, I definitely see where you're going there, Zach. And it, it kind of fits the Chris Ballard model. It really does yeah. um, as far as mm-hmm. – physical traits versus actual, you know, college stats, you know, because stats don't always tell the whole story. Yeah. Yeah. Ballard is very much a traits over stats kind of guy. Uh, Almost every position I've looked at uh, for my build a Ballard series. If if you guys listening aren't familiar with that series, I try to go position by position Mm -hmm. and see Ballard's Mm -hmm. draft history with the chiefs and with the Colts and kind of nail down what he kind of looks for at certain positions. Uh, it's not a perfect model, obviously. You know, Ballard has only had three years of real control over a team, but it is kind of a good feel to get that kind of stuff. And 
And honestly, yeah, he's never really valued production as much. You know, he wants players to be productive, obviously, and be good players in college, but uh, he, he's big on traits. I mean, he likes that upside. I mean, we thought, like you said, with Ture, uh, even the guy like Taekwon Lewis, when he took him as high as he did, um, you know, even Braden Smith, you know, projected to a tackle when he was a, a guard throughout college. I mean, he, he likes that upside. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Jordan Love definitely fits that to a T. Yeah. Yeah. And moving on now, Zach, to round two here, number 34th overall pick. Um, I think there's a lot of ways the Colts can go here. Um, you know, whether that be defensive tackle, you know, say they take a quarterback in the first round, that'd be defensive tackle, wide receiver. Um, there's just a lot of different options here. What do you have here at number 34? What do you think is the best fit here in terms of position and player? Yeah, so starting at, you know, with 34, there are a lot of ways to build. Like, kind of what you were just saying there. Uh, you know, Chris Ballard was quoted this offseason saying three-tech is the biggest part of the defense. You know, it all kind of revolves around the three-tech on the defensive mm-hmm. line, so they definitely could go with three-tech, even though Danico Altry, I think, wasn't great last year, but he still wasn't bad, which is kind of a common misconception uh, with Colts fans. Either someone's either great or they're horrible. Uh, but uh, Danico Autry was fine last year, but I, I do think they could upgrade that and get a, uh, you know, another athletic guy in there. So, uh, you know, Blake Lock out of uh, TCU is a really good fit there at 34. Uh, Neville Gallimore, uh, who is down at the Senior Bowl, is a super athletic guy, still kind of growing into his body a little bit, but he's going to test uh, he's going to put up some insane numbers at the combine. So that's another one who could, you know, be a fit there at 34. Uh, but I also like a, a couple other positions there. You know, it's not just going to be that three tech. I think wide receiver uh, is very much in play at 34. I think Ballard understands the need to get more help for his quarterback, whoever it is. If it's, you know, Philip Rivers, Jacoby Brissett, Jordan Love, Justin Herbert, whoever. Uh, I think he understands he needs to get more help there. And I think some obvious fits there, given, you know, Ballard's history drafting receivers, he loves those high upside, speedy guys. I think Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State is a huge fit. I think he just kind of checks off every single box that Ballard likes. Uh, and then also Jalen Rager, if he slips out of the first round, which he might not because he's going to probably run four twos at the combine. Uh, but Jalen Rager could be another good fit. Uh, so those are those are probably the positions I'd be looking at there at 34. Maybe a corner as well. Damon Arnett out of Ohio State could be a fit. Uh, Cam Dancer out of Mississippi State definitely will check off a lot of Ballard's boxes, but I think wide receiver, defensive tackle would be the the obvious looks uh, given, you know, Costanza comes back and 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 that kind of stuff. But uh, I think, yeah, defensive tackle and wide receiver are probably the obvious fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, talking about Jalen Rager, I think he was I think he's the son of former Colts defensive tackle Monte Rager, if I'm not mistaken. There, so that would be kind of a cool connection there. Um, Okay, so staying in the second round, the Colts obviously have another pick. Um, this is, I believe, this is their own pick. Um, you know, n- number forty-four overall in the second round. Um, what position would you say here, Zach? Um, you kind of hit on some of those positions. What, what what player do you think would be available, or you kind of project would be around that area that the Colts would potentially look to draft? Yeah, so let, let's just say in this scenario, you know, if we're kind of doing like a live mock draft here, like we went Jordan yeah. Love in the first. And say we went either Rager or Ayuk there at, at 34, you know, one of those two. Um, I, I do think that penetrating three-tech is going to be a big position to meet still. Uh, so, again, maybe Gallimore slips a little bit just because he is so unrefined. But uh, I, I doubt he would fall all the way to – I think they picked 47, right? Is it 47? Uh, 44. Yeah, 44. 44, 44. So, yeah, he, he might slip to 44, but um, maybe not. But, I, yeah, Ross Blaylock out of TCU would be a good fit. 
but I do think Ballard with his love of corners, if Damon Arnett or Cam Dantzler are there, uh, those are two very long physical corners that are just very in your face uh, type of guys, really stout run defenders. Uh, they kind of all, they kind of both feel a lot like Brock from last year, but I, I even like Arnett quite a bit better than I like Rock. So uh, I think he'd be really tough to pass up on those guys. So, uh, you know, corners, maybe not the biggest need on the team, um, maybe depending on what they do with this year's contract this all season, but uh, Dantzler, Arnett, I think would be uh, really good fits here for the Colts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you're, you're right about that. Zach is that, you know, you can never really have too many good corners. Uh, it's always mm-hmm. a position that you absolutely need to, keep filled every uh, off season. So that way you have the abundance of talent there. And Damon Arnett is definitely a great one. Uh, me being an Ohio state guy, uh, I've grown up just watching Damon Arnett over the last few years. Uh, dude has really come into his own. Honestly think that the most, the most difficult part about him is just uh, you mentioned, uh, I think it was on Twitter earlier this last week, how, you know, his aggressiveness and his willingness to hit guys coming down from the run or the screens uh, is what makes him great. I think sometimes that's his ultimate uh, biggest issue is just (laughs) his energy sometimes gets the best of him. And that's what can cause him to get some of these penalties that goes against him. That's his biggest issue. But um, obviously you've spent uh, time watching a few Buckeyes down uh, in the senior bowl and everything else Uh, besides Damon Arnett. Uh, if you can name any, do you think there's any kind of guys uh, that are Ohio State guys that uh, might have increased their stock uh, over the last few weeks from what you've seen? Oh, yeah. No, the number one that stands out, he was uh, a guy I wrote about uh, for cover one, uh, I think like two weeks ago, uh, was guard Jonah Jackson. Uh, I absolutely loved him down the senior bowl. I mean, he was probably the second best guard down there um, besides uh, Damian Lewis from LSU. Uh, but outside of Damian Lewis, I think Jonah Jackson was outstanding. Uh, and then I went back to his film because I hadn't watched it before I got down there. And, I, you know, I came away super impressed with this film as well. Like, I mean, he moves really well. Uh, he plays pretty mean as well. He kind of runs over some guys. Uh, he can get out on the edge, but he can also win in the trenches. And, you know, overall, as a pass blocker, I wouldn't say he's outstanding. But I do think he's a, he's a pretty solid pass blocker. So I think down to seeing the ball. Uh, he definitely improved his stock. To me, I think he's a top 50 player in this class, which is a lot higher than than a lot of people. Uh, but I think he's going to test pretty well at the combine. I think he's going to he kind of rose up draft boards. But I think he did really well. I think Devon Hamilton um, had a had a pretty good senior bowl as well. Even though you know when I went back to his film, I, I was wondering why he would you know be out of the game for four or five series at a time. Uh, it was a really weird kind of rotation they had on the defensive line. Uh, but you know Devon Hamilton, I think, looked really good down the senior bowl. Maybe not a starter in the NFL right away, but I think it's like a third or fourth round guy. I think he, he really helped his stock as well. Yeah. And Cody's been one of the guys on this podcast that has constantly been talking about how uh, we need to increase at the, uh, at the guard position on the right side of the offensive line. Uh, No offense to Mark Lewinsky, but uh, some people think that we need to increase in that position. So it's good to hear you say that, you know, uh, Damian Lewis and, Jonah Jackson and uh, all these other guys that are guards that are going to be potentially second, third round guys that I think we could honestly steal one of them uh, with that 44th pick if Ballard falls in love with one of them. So that's good to hear. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think uh, there there are a couple good interior offensive linemen in this class that the Colts could could look at, and also a couple tackles. I think this is a really deep tackle class as well. So even if Costanza comes back, I think there's a ton of options for tackle in this class as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, you, like like Ballard even talked about in his press conference, the whole idea of you know I felt like I didn't have enough depth on the offensive line, and that was something that you know we we've talked about Derek on this podcast is like holy smokes say one of your starters, like the Colts are very fortunate in 2019 that pretty much all their starters played every game. Um, but say one of those guys goes down, um, then you're kind of in some some hot water there. So definitely would address that tackle position somewhere, and, and hopefully, you know, the Colts do that this in this draft class. Um, here, number 75th overall. Um, there's a few options here, but, you know, who would you think now is the Colts draft, uh, def- def- we'll say defensive tackle, um, three tech technique what other position do you think they could draft and who who were some guys you think would be around the 75th pick yeah so again I think uh, cornerback is always going to be a need because Ballard just loves taking corners but I think we can also look at other positions that he's kind of invested heavily in in the past few years you know those positions that are just going to piss people off when he takes them because he keeps taking them (laughs) you know I think linebackers in play (laughs) in the third round which I know that would upset a lot of people but you know, when you really look at it, you, you know, you have Okariki, who's eventually going to be the the Mike of the future, I think. I think that that's mm-hmm. their plan for him, and I think he's coming along really well. Uh, Leonard's obviously going to be your will, but, you know, Anthony Walker, after this pa- after this next year, is probably up in the air. You know, he's a good linebacker, but he's not really, like, a difference maker on the defense, so maybe he's gone after the year. And then outside of that, it's a lot of projects. You know, two seventh-round picks, EJ Speed, who's a fifth-round pick, but he's he's very raw. Uh, so I think linebacker could be in play in the third, but I, I, I do think that um, I, I think where he's going to go is offensive line uh, just because, you know, like you said, he loves that depth and, and, you know, Raven Clark is leaving uh, presumably he's going to be leaving. And then uh, Joe Haig, I think is going to get starter, starter money uh, from another team. Uh, so I think he's going to be, you know, the Colts are going to be kind of lacking on offensive line depth coming to his class and they might double dip at it even. Um, but some guys I really like, in that third round pick range, you know, Prince Tega Wanagu out of Auburn, uh, if he slips that far, you know, I don't think he's going to test absurdly great at the combine, which may, may like drop him that far, but a very powerful guy still kind of coming into his body and learning a little bit, but, uh, he, he's a very good tackle and guard prospect even. Um, and then Ben Barch is probably my favorite guy there just because I think he just checks off everything. You know, he's a small school guy, doesn't really have a lot of the, you know, doesn't have that big name value, that big school. Uh, value around him but uh, he looked really good at the senior bowl and when I talked to him you know when I interviewed him he said you know his pass block his preferred way to pass block is kind of what the Colts do and the Colts do this really unique pass blocking uh, with their angle sets and their aggressive pass blocking and when I you know when I was quizzing Barch and I quizzed I think like like seven or eight offensive linemen down there about what their preferred pass blocking is Barch was the number one guy who was very much in line with the Colts thinking on offensive line blocking. So I think, you know, he has that power. He has a lot of what you look for in offensive line, but he also has already kind of bought into the Colts way of blocking on offensive line. So I think Ben Barch, you know, if he slips to the third round, because his name is kind of rising. Um, but if he's there in the third round, I think Ben Barch would be a really good pick. Um, so I'm curious, Zach, and you've mentioned it in your articles. I've read it before, but for our listeners, can you kind of talk about real fast, kind of the whole idea of, you know, you mentioned the Colts way of blocking. What does that blocking look like? Yeah. I mean, I could go on for, for days about this. It's something that I've studied a lot over the past year. 
uh, read, you know, countless Howard Mudd, you know, articles and books and, and listen to him on podcasts and stuff. It, it's a very fun way to block. And it's, it's definitely against, you know, common knowledge. So, you know, the typical person who knows football or studies football uh, has heard of the vertical set. You know, we've all heard of the vertical set uh, where you're kind of retreating a little bit into the backfield out of your pass sets as a tackle. Well, Howard Mudd's emphasis on pass blocking, especially for tackles, is he doesn't want to wait for these these pass rushers to, to attack the, the offensive tackles. He wants them to attack those pass rushers. So it's, you know, it's kind of jumping out of your stance and jumping at the defensive end. Now, it's very risky because you can get beat inside, but his thought process is if you can get on him early, get your hands on him quickly, and disrupt that rush immediately at the, at the line of scrimmage, you have a better chance of winning that overall rep and disrupting the play. And overall, I think the cold pass blocking was much, much better uh, this past year than it was year before, even though the sack numbers are a lot different, uh, which, you know, a lot of it is due to Jacoba Set not being as good a, a pocket presence as uh, Andrew Luck was. But, you know, I think overall the offensive line really improved, and I think that it really helped them run and run blocking as well because when you have that mindset of, hey, we're always jumping defensive linemen, then when you get to the, your, your runs and you are running the ball a little bit more, you're still in that mindset of jumping guys and still attacking, and defensive linemen are a little bit off guard because they don't know what's coming. Uh, so, overall, you know, you can do a lot of research on it. I think I've written uh, three or four articles for it over at Santee Balloon. So if you guys want to search my author name with the mud technique or, or uh, aggressive pass setting or even Braden Smith scouting reports or something, I, I'm sure that I've mentioned in those. Uh, but it's a really interesting topic if uh, anybody listening has uh, has the time to look it up. It's, it's, uh, I know it's not the most fun looking up offensive line technique, but I, I really enjoy kind of this new style. And I've definitely converted from being a vertical tech guy to a, an angle set and aggressive set type of guy. Yeah. And you mentioned Braden Smith. I want to talk about him really fast. Um, what have you seen from Braden Smith now, two years in the league, obviously he's drafted as a guard. Now he's playing tackle. Um, what have you seen from him, you know, going from year one um, from Dave DeGuglielmo now to Chris Strausser, Howard Mudd, that technique, how have you seen him as a player? Has he, you know, improved? Has he regressed? How, how has he developed as a player overall in your mind? Yeah, so so year one, Brandon Smith was a guard playing tackle. It was very obvious. I think mm. he played really well for it. I think his feet were – I think he was very confused in vertical sets. Not like, you know, not that he's dumb or anything like that, but it, it's really tough to get the footwork down when you change along the offensive line. Even going from right tackle to left tackle is, is really difficult, but going from guard to tackle uh, is a whole different type of uh, footwork. Uh, so – yeah, I think the first year was good uh, in spite of all that. I think that the Colts had to help him a lot, uh, which doesn't really get mentioned a lot is, you know, they were really helping him uh, that first year. It was running back chip, tight end chip, almost on every single pass play. Uh, they were terrified of him in one-on-one, uh, you know, for, for good reason, though. I mean, he's a great prospect and he's a good tackle, but um, that was, you know, it's terrifying when you have that guy who went from guard to tackle midseason. Uh, so they really disguised a lot of his struggles in year one. Whereas this year, they, you know, they kind of left him on that island. You know, they helped every now and then. Uh, and I kind of wish they would help him a little bit more, kind of ease that transition a bit. But uh, he was left on the island a little bit, and, and the sack numbers kind of went up a little bit on his side. But I think overall what you have in, in Braden Smith at right tackle is probably a top two or three run blocking uh, right tackle in football. I think he just dominates on the outside there, and he's great when he can get into space and, and get to that second level. And then as a pass blocker, I think he's pretty solid. You know, I don't think he's, he's perfect. I think uh, speed rushers can beat him to the outside. 
uh, and he has occasional struggles with his hand placement, but uh, you know, he's still learning. He's still growing into that role. And I think that right now he's, he's a pretty good right tackle. I mean, I think pro football focus had him as the hundredth best player in football this year, uh, which, you know, love or hate pro football focus. That is still pretty high praise. Uh, and I think, he, yeah, he, again, I think he's a good tackle. I don't think he's anything special. I think uh, he can get into maybe the top 10 right tackle league and, and or right tackle like rankings uh, throughout his career for sure. Um, maybe never be like a pro bowl guy, but I think, you know, overall, you're going to have your right side kind of locked down for a long time and, and have a guy who's going to be a dominant run blocker and a pretty good pass blocker. And I, I think that's more than what you would ask out of a, you know, a typical 35th overall pick in a, any draft. Yeah, absolutely. We're getting back now, Zach, to the draft. Um, now we're sitting here in the fourth round, 122nd overall. Um, who are some guys you think would be around that, you know, that range that you think would be on the Colts radar potentially? Yeah, it's tough when you get into day three uh, from talking to agents and talking to coaches and players and stuff. I've talked to a lot over the last couple of years. I mean, when you get to day three, they basically call it early undrafted free agent period. Uh, that's, I mean, fourth round is the same thing as seventh round typically, except you're just taking higher shots from guys. Uh, so typically if a guy gets to day three, it's, you know, it's kind of a crap shoot. Um, but I could definitely mm-hmm. see, you know, a lot of different options. Again, kind of cornerback, uh, what we've kind of mentioned the last couple of picks here, but I think safety eventually comes into play here just because uh, I think the need for a third or fourth safety with some upside would be uh, an interesting addition to the team. Um, you know, maybe another receiver, Devin Duvernay, uh, could be there out of Texas and he's, uh, you know, a really high, you know, very athletic player. Uh, who can also catch almost anything thrown his way. He's a little bit stiff running his routes, but you know, as a slot guy, I think he could be really good. Uh, so Devin Duvernay would be a really fun pick there and kind of double down on that. Uh, even tight end, I think tight end would be another mm-hmm. interesting pick there. I think, you know, in the fourth round, you'd probably be a little bit, you'd probably be a little too low for Bryson Hopkins or Adam Trotman or any of those kind of guys, but that second tier of tight end, um, uh, Albert O could be there. I, I don't want to try his last name because I'll just butcher it here. <laughs> um, but Albert O could be there. He's a nice pass catcher. Um, you know, there's definitely going to be a lot of guys that stand out of the combine too, tight end wise. Uh, so yeah, that could be another option as well, but you know, day three, I think it can go a lot of different ways. I mean, we saw with Ballard last year, I don't know if I expected a safety in, in I didn't expect him to trade up for a safety in round four of last year's draft. So, um, it was definitely a little bit different coming that way. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of options. I think personally, I think doubling up on receiver would be a, a really fun way to go. And maybe getting a guy like Devin Duvernay would be a, a really fun pick absolutely yeah yeah and uh i did have a question here so um yeah so obviously zach you had some time to uh ask some questions with some players interview some guys the interview you had with nebraska defensive tackle darian daniels was well put together i enjoyed listening to it uh there was obviously at this time there's this is the time where you can find the uh diamond in the rough uh for certain kinds of players at this time and so I guess just the question is, is, is there any guys that, uh, that made a huge impression on you uh, after watching film or, some, or anything else at the Senior Bowl that you really didn't have high expectations for going into that? Yeah, so uh, first of all, I love that you mentioned Darren Daniels interview. That was, that was really fun. That was right after he had the Players Parade. Uh, and he had a super long day, so just having him uh, you know, coming up there and, and sitting down with me, I think it was like nine o'clock at night. Um, so him sitting down with me the day before the game and, and talking, that was really fun. 
Uh, and yeah, he was definitely a guy who wasn't on my radar even throughout the week. He wasn't really on my radar that much until I went back after the interview and, and looked at some of his highlights throughout the week and he had a pretty good week. Uh, but there was a ton of guys, you know, I mean, I, I kind of mentioned John Jackson. I wasn't really on my radar before that week. Um, another guy who really stood out was, uh, Troy Pride Jr., uh, the corner from, from Notre Dame. Uh, going into the week, I didn't really know too much about him. Uh, I, you know, I've heard of him before, Notre Dame corners. You definitely hear them, but he was, he was excellent all week. I mean, he was locking down receivers left and right. And he definitely, you know, he went against guys like, like Denzel Mims throughout the week. He had a couple, uh, a tough receivers against him and he had a, an excellent week. So, uh, Troy Pride Jr. was one that wasn't on my radar at all. And I came away super impressed. Um, I'm trying to think of at least another guy here. Um, I mean, Jason Strobridge was kind of on my radar, a guy that I really liked for the Colts. Uh, early on in the process, but it kind of fell off my radar going in, and and he had an excellent week as well. Really nice guy to talk to, uh, mm-hmm. and definitely someone who uh, I think fits kind of that Colts uh, culture there. So I mean, that's another guy who could fit that three tech mold maybe on day three as well, because I don't think he's going to get up into day two range. But day three, Jason Strobridge can kind of do that three tech and play some five tech, which the Colts absolutely love. Uh, so he could be an interesting option for the Colts. But he really blew me away throughout that week as well. Awesome, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one more question for you, Zach, and then we'll let you go. I know you're a busy guy. So, uh, Zach, you were down at the Senior Bowl, um, and I, have, I just have to ask, who is your favorite prospect interview and why? Well, I, I interviewed so many guys, so I'm trying to think. I think I got up to like 20 this year, um, which is really cool. Uh, Darren Daniels, I think, will always kind of hold a special place in my heart just because I got to sit down with him and kind of, talk with him and his agent was there and stuff. And we had a really fun time. Uh, my fiance was actually one recording too. So it was kind of a cool little, uh, you know, sit down there. So I think that one will always be fun. Um, Terrell Burgess was really good. Uh, Utah defensive back. Uh, he's probably going to go on day three, uh, but he was a really good interview too. Very lively guy, uh, joking around a lot. Um, I sent one of my buddies from Arrowhead pride, uh, Chris over there to interview him afterwards. And when we turned around to like, so I could point at him and show where he was, he was just standing there like, all right, come over here. Like doing a little hand motion <laughs> to come over. So he was really fun, dude. Um, uh, but also, yeah, like, like Ben Barch was really good too, because like I said, you know, we talked about him when I actually interviewed him, uh, he was very quiet, only said a couple words per thing. Uh, but when I turned off the recorder, uh, we both kind of were talking about angle sets and, and doing our pass sets and, ta- and talking like that way and stuff. And, and we were actually both getting in the stance and talking about it. So uh, that was a really fun one too. But I think Darian Daniels will probably be the one that sticks out just because, um, you know, I, I just think that it's going to be, you know, like it was just an interesting interview. Like it was just really fun. Talk to a really good guy like that. And he was really well-spoken. And then also having my fiance there, when I'm just sitting at media row and all that. Uh, so yeah, that was, that's one that's going to stick for a while, I think. Awesome. Well, Zach, thank you so much for coming on the pod, man. We appreciate it. Um, what are you working on now for Stampede Blue or Cover One or, or what have you been working on recently? Yeah. So, um, it's the busy time of year, uh, as you can tell mm-hmm. from, from me rescheduling this last week, it's a super busy time of year for me. Uh, I think coming up tomorrow, uh, for Cover One, I'll have uh, an article. Well, tomorrow, depending on when this, this podcast posts, but um, Tuesday, I'll have a game on the piece dropping over at Car- cover one uh, has all 22 film in it and everything about why I love him. I even talk about an interesting uh, Nick Saban story in there. If, if you guys are interested, it's going to be pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I, I, I rave about uh, Damon Arnett for quite a bit in that article. I absolutely love him uh, coming for Stampede blue. Um, you know, every week I'm going to be, 
doing uh, rookie film rooms on the you know the rookies from this past year and kind of getting through the whole class. I think Paris Campbell is going to be up this week, uh, which shouldn't take me too long to write just because he didn't really have much of a rookie season. A uh, bunch of interviews come up this week. Austin Hall from from Memphis, linebacker. Uh, South Dakota State's running back. Um, I have another one coming up this week too. But I don't know. I have a ton of them. Oh, and also uh, on Sunday, if you know, I got to text the guy back, but. Um, I should be on uh, indie radio on Sunday uh, from 8 to 10 a.m. Uh, John Tomisco, I think is his name. Uh, he's having me on uh, the radio this, this Sunday. So if you guys are not too annoyed listening to my voice here on this podcast, uh, tune into <laughs> that uh, radio show on Sunday. Um, I think it's the, I can't see, I don't live out in Indy, so I don't know. What, what's your guys' big radio station that has Bowen and all that on it? Oh, yeah, the fan. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to tune in for that. Yeah, I'll have to tune in for that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, it should be a good one. Yeah, well, we'll definitely be looking out for that and, and looking out for your articles and stuff. Um, well, we really appreciate it, man. We appreciate you coming on, giving your insight, giving your yep. thoughts on it. Um, means a lot. And, uh, man, we hope that you, know, you have a fun, you know, free agency's coming up soon, drafts coming up soon. Um, so we hope that those are good times. Um, and, you can get a lot, a lot of mock drafts in, a lot of fun before then. So, um, <laughs> yep. thanks, Zach. We appreciate you, man. As always. Yeah, of course, guys. Thanks for having me on, and uh, you know, good luck with all your guys' uh, podcasts and work you all are doing this uh, this off season. Thanks, well, thank I appreciate you. it.